What's up, guys? It's time to go Behind the Bum. What's up, guys? Welcome to this episode of Behind the Bum. We are approaching September, and I thought it'd be a good time to do kind of a podcast about mental health and suicide awareness and suicide prevention because September is National Suicide Prevention and Awareness Month. Also on September 10th, I believe it is International Suicide Prevention and Awareness Day. So I figured this would be a good time to bring on a psychologist who can kind of talk through this with us, who is also a member of the LGBTQ community. So Tony, welcome. Hi, Jeff. Thank you for having me. And this is your first podcast I heard, right? It is. This is exciting for me. I'm honored. So why don't you tell everybody a little bit about your background? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So my, my legal name is Anthony Santilli, but I go by Tony. I've never been called Anthony. Uh, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist in the state of California. I just became licensed in May of 2021. And I volunteer at the National Suicide and Crisis Lifeline since 2015. I've been a registered behavioral technician working with kids who have autism. And I also have been working, um, volunteering at other uh, suicide prevention uh, lifelines as well, too. I'm hoping to do more digital texting as well. You make me feel like I'm a bad person. You're not a bad person. You're a good person. You created the traveling bum. I'm like, you do so much. I try. Yeah. I mean, it's my, it's one of my biggest passions in life is to um, advocate for mental health, but also help out others as well, too. I think it's important to always talk about mental health and that, that kind of vulnerability. Well, one of the reasons I wanted to ask you especially to come on is I feel like we'd ha- we're going to have an interesting conversation because we've kind of both, like, I mean, you've watched me grow, I guess, because you've been following the traveling bum since 2018. Mm-hmm. You did a post on the traveling bum in mm-hmm. 2018, I believe, right? Yeah, that's correct. And that actually was a time when I just graduated my master's program. For I just so I was in the the midst of becoming licensed. So now it's the full circle has kind of happened where I'm licensed now and just kind of new beginnings are happening. So I know that when we were talking back in the day, you have this Tony superhero story. So I feel like we should that's a good place we should start. So why don't you tell me and everybody else what is Tony's superhero story? Um, so Tony's superhero story is going to be a written novel for ages 10 and up. Um, it's a graphic illustrated superhero and fantasy novel. Um, and it's my story of how I attempted suicide. I attempted suicide when I was a teenager, as a gay teenager, um, when I was 16, I attempted by drowning. And it kind of goes through the story of me being bullied as a gay teenager and being the, like those collateral consequences of being bullied. And then once when all that kind of happened, that shame and guilt and how my, my superhero journey has led to self-healing and to self-acceptance and to kind of be compassionate towards other people and to myself too. So were you out in high school or was it more people just assumed you were gay and would name call and do things like that to you? I was very protective of myself. I told the, the one person I told was the main bully who targeted me quite a bit. Um, But I was more private and I was also very confused about my sexual identity too. That's tough. Mm -hmm. How did your parents, did you you say like your parents were more helpful and accepting after you did a suicide attempt? Like, I feel like, did they know you were gay 
prior to that? They talked about me. Uh, they thought that I was gay for a while. They were just kind of waiting for me to kind of embrace myself in that kind of way. And my parents didn't know about my suicide attempt till like years later, because it's something that's really hard to even talk about. Even like many years now, like down the road, it can be emotional to talk about, even if it's just one suicide attempt or multiple suicide attempts. I mean, I know you said it's emotional, but do you mind if I ask, like, how did you get out of it? Like, I know you said you made an attempt, but how did you say like, okay, like you broke it? So one thing that really helped me in that time is I didn't know anybody in the LGBTQ community. Actually, the only person I knew in high school who was out, I watched them be physically assaulted too. Um, and one thing that helped me is my parents urged me to go into therapy. And coincidentally, my therapist was the first gay male that I ever met in my life. That's insane. Mm -hmm. So you didn't like seek out to purposely find like a gay male. Mm -hmm. I was very lost with myself. And I think with suicide too, it's something that like is really, you can't really control it. It also is something that's kind of like, you just want to end your misery. It's not saying like, you want to end your life. You want to end the pain. And I was at a place where I'm just like, I want this pain to be over. I didn't want my life to be over. And I think that was kind of hard to me to, to distinguish and also to try and figure out why am I feeling this way? And so I had to really dive into my identities and my vulnerability to be like, I need to embrace more of who I am. And that takes time to do that for everybody. I think the other thing is in high school, you can't see past high school. Like, mm -hmm. I think I can't speak behind like every other education system, but in America, it's like, all you do is you wake up, you go to school and you just get in this repetitive routine for 18 years. And you don't know what life is going to be like outside of this repetition that we do. So the littlest thing in high school feels like the end of the world. And how do you ever move on? And I think oftentimes we don't talk about all these dark times that we've had and, you know, on mm -hmm. social media, we constantly are posting these like glamorous, you know, lifestyles that like are not sustainable. You right. know, like, we're all posting things that really like 1% of people can actually afford. That's so true. it definitely leads to like mental health issues. And I'm sure people try to contemplate suicide or things like that because they feel like they're not keeping up or they don't fit in where they're from. Yeah. And I know you for like when we when you and I were growing up, Jeff, like, you know, like, uh, like LGBTQ, like gay marriage, that was not legalized, too. And I the, the terms like fag, pussy, like that was just like dropped like constantly. It still is dropped constantly, but there's a little bit more critical thinking behind like using your words now. And well, another I think what I noticed, well, not that I noticed, but I sometimes wonder because basically like at one point we were straight. Like, I know how straight men talk. I know, like, we could call it locker room talk. Oh, and I yeah. sometimes wonder if now that I am out, my friends just don't speak like that in front of me. But when they're all together, they do still talk like that because it's kind of, like, comfortable for them. Or if they actually don't speak like that at all anymore. That's a fair point. I do that. I, I when you when you say things like that, I think about, like, toxic masculinity, too, like, it's such a fragile thing, but I wonder about how straight men are when there isn't anybody in the LGBTQ community around. I had a good friend of mine, he wanted to show me a funny movie and I actually was very triggered by it because there was a lot of homophobia in it. And I did tell him like, I'm, I'm not comfortable watching it. And he was, he heard, he heard me out and we changed the movie, but I also wondered like, 
are he and his straight friends watching that? Are they getting a joy out of that movie? And I hope that they don't, but yeah. Well, you want to know what's interesting is I feel like when we're talking about this, we're talking about people who are 25 plus, because I have to say like my brother's mindset, he's 21. And I love just talking to him about like random shit about life because his viewpoints are completely different than the way like you and I were ever raised. Like, it's crazy to see somebody who can come from upstate New York and that, and he has gay friends. He like talks about how his one friend is like straight, but is like hooked up with a guy. They're all just like, they don't care. Yeah. Like there's like this whole Gen Z, whatever. I don't even know the generation before them, but they're just like, I think they're so adapted and seeing things now in TV and movies that it's less scary for them to come out. But I think if you're 25 plus, I'm sure we all have some level of PTSD. That's like, oh shit. Like I remember when I felt like this. Yeah. Yeah. And I know when we talk about suicide, it is important to talk about like LGBTQ, especially the LGBTQ youth, because they're five times more likely to attempt suicide than like heterosexual youth. But suicide impacts everybody too. It it can be, it's a big, it's a, it's a very vulnerable time for people age 15 through 30, but it's also very vulnerable for ages 60 and older as well too. It's the 10th leading cause of death in, in the United States. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting to see how you can come out of it in a much like lighter mood. And I think, like you said, like it took you coming to terms with your own identity to get past that mental block that put you in that place. Mm-hmm. But it is crazy. I mean, not to get super personal to dive, dive deep, but I had my uncle committed suicide probably like 10 years ago. And it was like completely out of nowhere, like the day after Thanksgiving. And it was so random because like, it was not something anybody would have expected. And he was like, led a normal lifestyle and just that's what he chose to do. Mm-hmm. And so it's crazy how even sometimes you can see someone and they come across so comfortable and normal. And then the very next day, something happens or they tick. Yeah. Yeah, it, you never know what's going on with people with their mental health and how they are feeling about themselves too. I've I've lost some good friends because of suicide, and it's just it's it's always heartbreaking. It's it's tragic, and it's I, I know with one person in mind, he was like a really happy person in high school, and I I did not see it coming. He um he jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge, which is also a common way to kill yourself is the Golden Gate Bridge. Wow. Hmm. So going back to like LGBTQ youth in particular, like, do you know, like, what are some of like the key factors or reasons you think these kids try to commit suicide? I think there's probably a lot of factors that go into it. Um, Probably not feeling accepted, feeling confused about their identity, um, lack of family support, maybe even like cultural or religion as well. Um, I, and I think it's just such a confusing time with, also our politics as well too. like conversion therapy is still legal in most states. And I think that those can, all of those things can send messages of like, am I fully accepted for who I am? And do I even know who I am? And those are really big questions to be asking yourself when you're young. And I know that there could be feeling lonely as well too. And it's a very anxiety kind of time to be a teenager and to have those. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because I think, I don't know if the internet today is more helpful or harmful for Mm. youth because I think you could look at it two ways. And I think 
one thing that bothers me all the time is this feeling of trying to keep up like mentally, like I'm fine. I'm just saying for other people, probably I would imagine that it's difficult to look at the internet and see people who like might live a more luxurious lifestyle than you might have a better body type than you might have a boyfriend. And it's like, Oh my God, they're like couple goals. Like, why do I not have a boyfriend or this person afforded this type of car? Like, I just feel like there's so many things that are thrown in our face that it could be so negative and impact you mentally more than people think. Oh, absolutely. I think that's, a, and you, you bring up a fair point. It's like a two way street. It could be a good thing that there's more connections with people. Like I know for me, like I've met some LGBTQ people before because of the internet. And at the same time, as you mentioned too, it can have negative consequences as well. I know even for even me, sometimes I will look at bodies and I'm like, man, that's such a good body. Like I wish my body was kind of like that too. And I mean, that's why I'm really glad that I was featured on the traveling bum because that was for me really body accepting of myself and to be like, it was super, it's risky and scary to do that, but it's also really empowering to do it too. You definitely get like this freeing adrenaline rush. And like, once you do it once, you just want to keep doing it. Yeah. I literally make it a goal every time I go. So whether I post the picture or not, I always take a naked picture somewhere, whether it's like a public spot or not, just because like I dead ass want to just be like 50 years old and just be like, look at all these fucking cool places I went to and just like took a naked picture. I love that. That's awesome. <laughs> it's, it's just like a weird became a weird hobby of mine unexpectedly. But I, you, you've transformed it into something that's been so inclusive to so many people and you've allowed them to be themselves too. Well, you want to know why basically came up with it is I really liked humans of New York and I would just like read the pages like this is really cool. But I was like, I wonder why nobody ever talks about like gay people. So that Instagram humans of New York, like you take a picture of somebody showcase whatever type of story it is that they want to talk about. Right. Because like my story, if somebody says, oh, what's your story? Like, how did you get to where you are now or whatever it is? Like your story is different than my story. And what comes to mind for you might be your sexuality. Mm -hmm. It might be suicide. It might be moving to a big city. I feel like everybody has their own story. So I try to keep it super vague and like let people come up with what they view their story is because everybody really does have such a unique story, but then at the same time, so similar. Right. Yeah. That, that's a fair point too. And actually when I, so my, the book, the Tony superhero story that I'm going to be publishing, I actually wrote it originally not to be a book. I wrote it to be a self-care journal during this pandemic because my anxiety has been pretty high and I took an exam that had 170 questions to try and be a licensed marriage and family therapist but I decided to make it more of a superhero story and I think sometimes when we look at our life story we can be very critical of ourselves I think we can be our toughest critic but I also wanted to transform my story into a superhero story to try and uplift myself so originally this was not planned to be published but here we are and I'm ready and excited to get this kind of the ball rolling with the book. Well, it'll be something good for like kids to read and actually like relate to something because whether you actually attempt suicide or not, I'm sure everybody has thought at some point in their life, like, Oh, I wonder like what the world will be like when I'm gone or like mm -hmm. people attend a funeral and you're like, Oh my God, what's going to happen? Like when this is me one day, like yeah. you can't help but get those thoughts when you're like put in those situations. And so I think it'll be like a relatable thing to be like, just have the conversation. Like we all have to accept death at some point, but you don't need to take your own life because of whatever the situation might be. Right. I mean, people take their own life for many reasons, but one of the things I was thinking of 
is do you ever look at people who like, let's talk about social media, for example, and gay men in particular, because I'm assuming that's what our follow our feeds both look like. Uh huh. Do you ever see the people who like post like, let's say like once a day and it's always like a shirtless bulge picture and you're like, what are you going for? Like, is this like a cry for help? Are you insecure? Mm-hmm. Are they needing attention? Like, do you ever think about like where they're at mentally and like why they're doing this? I probably do too much, but yes, I do. Um, I also tell myself there's so much I don't know about the person um, because I only get to see the social media side of them. Yeah. Uh, But I do think about like, you know, is it for gratification for like, are they feeling lonely? Are they trying to make someone jealous or what are they like? What's the point of the post? But I'm also like, they also have a good body and maybe they know it though too. And they're just feeling confident and it's okay to take those pictures as well. Um, but I, I think, yeah, it just depends on who they are and what they also talk about. Like what other things are they posting on social media too? Yeah. It's weird because I feel like I'll like mentally talk shit with like a friend and I'll basically like share somebody's picture when they like post a bulge picture. And then they're talking about like something super deep in the caption. And I'm like, what is the correlation of this? Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, I'm sitting here and I'm like, okay, that's hypocritical because I'm posting somebody's butt picture, but then talking about something super deep in the caption. Yeah. So I try to understand, but at the same time, you can't help but be like, what, what's the ulterior motive here? You know what I mean? Like, right. I love a bulge picture just as much as the next guy, but you don't need to post it every single day mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's fair but i do think there's like a mental thing with like gay men and feeling a need to do that yeah and i don't know what it is it's something more than validation and i think just with men in general too i think it's a hard hard for men to like more like emotionally express ourselves we're not really taught to kind of tap into our vulnerability that's more of like a feminine kind of thing so i think when it comes to social media i can get confused when i see men post certain things and I'm like I'm kind of confused of where you are emotionally like and maybe maybe they perceive me the same way too and that's that's can be absolutely fair and valid too we're all very different and unique from each other and that's a beautiful thing that we're different unique but it's important to also listen and notice when we have those critical thoughts and kind of challenge our critical thoughts of like this person's sharing something about themselves or sharing that butt pic or whatever like that's their look at look at social media in general right like what percentage of your actual life do you think somebody can gauge off your Instagram? Like if somebody were to scroll through your feed, like what percentage of your real life do you think people would understand? Very little. Exactly. Like I think what you're posting is like maybe 5% of your actual life. Like people don't know what you're doing. Like there was this one post on the traveling bum this past week. And a guy was talking about how he's literally typing his caption at his normal day job but he's never posted what his day job actually is, or he only posts pictures of him traveling all the time. And it's like, we basically have built this platform to showcase like the glamorous side of everything we're not really doing. It's Mm -hmm. so weird. It's true. We're only putting the positive things, like the tip of the iceberg and underneath that iceberg, there are so many things that we don't know. And I think it is important while with September coming up and also when with recent events too happening in the United States and the world, it's really important to talk about mental health. Like we all, whether you admit it or not, like we all kind of have mental health. And, but if you don't 
if you can't reflect on your own, you probably know of somebody who's going through a hard time. Yeah. Do you think most people should be seeing a therapist? Like whether you think you need to or not, but like, have you found it was helpful for you? Like, do you still see a therapist to this day? Uh, I was seeing a therapist just a few months ago. Um, I was seeing the same therapist actually that I saw when I was a teenager. Um, I had a really good connection with him. Um, I would say that I think everybody should try out therapy. Um, I can understand that it's not for everybody and it's a very, it can be very uncomfortable because a lot of, you know, trauma and like repressed memories can resurface, but it can also be very healing and rewarding. And there can be a lot of growth too. Um, I know that there's still stigma with mental health and talking about suicide, but I think I would hope that like one of the things that would come out of the book and just talking on this podcast too, is that it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to confide in somebody about what you're going through too. Um, I think, I think most people should try it out, but I also know culturally mental health is very different in countries but in the United States. I think it's actually a really good thing. Yeah. I do think there's something to be said about talking to somebody who is not in your friend group mm-hmm. and I, or in your family or whatever the situation might be, because when you can take a step back and talk to somebody who's not in your inner circle and has like no biased opinion or anything like that, I think you can actually like gain something out of it. And I even find like, sometimes it's easier to talk to people who you literally don't know. Like sometimes I'll just like be in New York and go to a bar and I could just talk to somebody about the most random shit because I know I'll never see this person again in my life if I don't want to, Mm -hmm. but it's, you just get an interesting perspective on life. Right. And I have two sides of that because I usually will be that person who somebody who random will come up to me whether it's so I'm with being a licensed therapist, I do have my like those clients that I see, but then also being a volunteer at the National Suicide and Crisis Hotline, I get like any kind of call that will come my way. And I only get that one chance to talk to that person, depending on what that crisis or the trauma that they bring up or the mental health. So I kind of have to do what I can in that moment to try and be there for that person. So why don't we just dive into like a couple like red flags, like what are some red flag characteristics that you might notice in a patient or let's talk for these people, like a friend or a family member who might be going through something like, what are some signs that's like, Oh, maybe I should check in on this person. Like yeah. something's not right. So like we would call them like risk factors and like the risk factors include um, you want to look at age and gender. You want to look at like history of mental health with, with themselves and the family. You want to see if there have been any, um, history attempts of suicide or if they know of anyone who has committed suicide um and you want to see where they are like emotionally and mentally in that in that moment when you talk to them too like are they um are they experiencing any anxiety is there um, depression or despair are they feeling humiliated or is there kind of something that they are feeling really like triggered by or whatnot um, but I would say like some of the main things that whenever I talk to somebody it's like when they're on the phone it's like are you having like thoughts of suicide? Like right now, like, do you have a plan? Like, talking about a plan is very, that's very important to do. So when you do talk to these people on the phone, which like, how do you talk somebody who says, yes, of course I've thought about it before. Mm. Like, how do you talk somebody, let's say like off that ledge, let's say. Okay. And I actually had some, I did talk to somebody off of a little ledge once before they were going to jump off a bridge. Um, I kind of just want, it's more about listening. Um, that's what I've learned. It's, it's, I think it's kind of hard to come up with the right wording at the time, but they're calling because they don't feel heard. They feel invalidated. 
And it's important to be like, okay, well, I am here for you. I will give you a hundred percent of me and I will listen and I will listen with compassion and provide as much empathy as I can. And it's with them calling, there is that very, very slim thing of like, they are hopeful that they can get out of it because they're calling. They want to talk about it. There's something in them. And I've had callers where they have said they're suicidal, but then they get really angry because when you have those conflict and that vulnerability of those emotions, it just is very hard to bring that all up. So I've learned just to be patient and just to give like that unconditional care. That is so crazy though, because it's kind of like, I don't know, that's obviously a lot of pressure put on you that when you do get a phone call like that, it's like, okay, you don't want to say the wrong thing, but then you want to be a good friend and help the person. But let's say a friend reaches out to you on like a personal level, right? And they're like, yo, like something's just mentally not right. Like I just feel a little off. Like how do you help that friend and like address them without losing their trust, right? Because if somebody says something to you like that, it's heavy and it puts like a burden on you to like, I don't want to tell somebody something because if I do tell somebody something, then I might lose this friend because they're going to be mad at me that I said something to somebody else, right? Because they trusted you to not say something. But then on the other side of things, it's like, if you don't say something and you did not professionally handle the situation well, and let's say they make a suicide attempt or they successfully do that, the burden that person's going to feel for not doing something's even worse. Right. So it's kind of like, what do you do when somebody puts this burden on you? Mm Mm-hmm. If you are not in your situation, let's say, as like a therapist. Right. And actually, so as as a person that's not like when I'm with my friends or my family, I've kind of had to learn about the boundaries of being my authentic self and then being a therapist, because I actually struggled with kind of being more of a therapist than being myself when I was younger. And then my family, my friends were like, can you stop like diagnosing us pretty much? (laughs) And so and, and they were kind of legit. I mean, that was it's a very fair point. Um, with my friends, when I've talked about their, when we've talked about our mental health, because I bring up my things too, I think it's important just to be real. Like I'll like swear, I'll like, I'll kind of, will just be like, you know what? Like I'm fed, I'm fed up too. I'm going through this stuff as well. Um, but I tell them like, I care about them no matter what. Like I, I think it's just kind of like more of, um, just being kind of yourself in that kind of way. And um, when I'm licensed therapist, I think about being the, like the laws, like the, being a mandated reporter and having that professional standard. But with being myself, I'm like, call or text me at 2 a.m. Like do whatever you need to, to take care of yourself. It is crazy to think that friends reach out to certain friends, I think, to hear what they want to hear from that friend. Mm-hmm. Like I find myself, I'll be like, do I want to go out? Do I not want to go out? And then I text the friend who I know is going to like convince me to go out in like the best way, because I know they'll be like, oh my God, come on. Like I'm only here for this night or whatever. And then I'll do it. But then other times I'm like, oh, I don't really want to do anything. I'll text that friend to be like, hey, what do you want to do tonight? Like, why don't we just have like a Netflix night and get ice cream and hang out? And like, you kind of reach out to people who are going to give you the answer you want to hear. Yeah. And having friends is very important too. I know that some people who are going through hard times, they, they're, they, they don't have friends. And I've been very grateful to have people in my life who I can feel like I can trust. Because I know when I was younger as a teenager, I felt very confused about who my friends were. It is interesting to watch because I'm, I don't want to throw shade at, let's say, my high school friends. 
but who I was in high school is a very different version than like who I am right now. And so I think my high school friends are the same exact people. Like, of course they have normal jobs now and, you know, we're not like whatever doing the jobs we were doing back in high school, but it is interesting watching how they all still relate to each other on such a level. And I can't help but feel like a little bit of a disconnect because I didn't like grow up with them in the same way. Like, I feel like I was playing a version of myself. Like I basically was a paid actor for 21 years of my life. And so certain friends never got to fully see the extent of like who I am. Mm-hmm. And then when you have these certain friend groups, you're like, Hmm. Yeah. And you didn't get an award for the, the 21 years of acting either. You I should have got an Academy about. Award. You should have. <laughs> <laughs> But so going back to your book, when does it get published? So I'm going to be releasing it throughout the month of September. Um, I want my, my story to be universally like accessible to anybody. So it's on all of my social media pages and on the website, which is like Tony superhero story.com. And right now I'm talking to a publisher. I'm probably going to be sending the agreement today or next week. And I've been learning that takes time. So I imagine that later in the fall, it will be published. And when you look at this book, does it bring back any feelings that you felt when you were in high school? It actually has brought back repressed memories. And that's been hard for me to kind of go through. I actually remembered that in high school, there was a, like the, the jock group. I'm like, I will kind of stereotype in that kind of sense. Um, they created a Facebook group called uh, straight men don't cross their legs. And they posted a bunch of homophobic stuff on it. And, I just had that surge of memory like a month ago and I got really angry. I'm just like, why didn't I not say anything? Why didn't I do anything? And I've been kind of going through those memories of like, you know what, that's high school. That's a long time ago, but also I need to work on myself too and not be angry in that kind of way. But it has brought back memories, but it's also brought back like healing in that self too. When your family looked at it, did they have any words or remarks or like, I can't believe you're feeling this way and we had no idea Mm-hmm. Yeah, my mom, my mom and my sister, um, they've read the story like multiple times and my mom will always get emotional. Um, it's, it's, it's hard to take in. Um, it's hard even for my dad to like, I've, it's, it's hard to even talk about, even though that happened many years ago, it's, I know that they would be really hurt if something were to happen to me because of suicide and they didn't know, or they weren't aware of everything or they, I know that with my mom, especially, she would have felt like I didn't, I wasn't doing enough to help you. Yeah. It is difficult to be put in that situation. It's like a parent or even just anybody, right? When you hear those words, it's such a heavy feeling. And I think it's something a lot of us have like dealt with in a way, but then not at the same time because nobody knows how to deal with it. Mm -hmm. So we all process it in our own way. And I'm sure like how my family processed my uncle's death, I'm sure not to say it wasn't healthy, but it's just kind of like, how do you process that? You know what I mean? Like you just kind of like wake up, you accept it and you just say, okay, hopefully this doesn't happen to somebody else again, but you never really fully like analyze and talk about it and be like, why did this happen? Like, how do we prevent this from happening? Those are not conversations people have. I think they just kind of like try to figure out how to end it and get over and be like, okay, let's just move on. Pretend this didn't happen. Cause I think that's easier than addressing something. Right. And that's a flaw. Yeah. And it's an unresolved loss too. Like you, 
I know in some cultures as well, too, if you commit suicide, they say that your soul doesn't go to heaven nor hell. So you're kind of just stuck. But I'm actually kind of wondering, Jeff, if you don't mind me asking, like, had you had any thoughts of suicide before or any kind of like ideation of some sort? I honestly haven't. I think the only weird things that you sometimes get in your feelings about is I remember looking at, let's say, funerals or going to funerals or whatever, like when you get put in those like death situations. And in high school, I think somebody in my grade committed suicide one time a year, like one person died from Mm -hmm. ninth grade to senior that I saw it. And I was like, whoa, this is like crazy. Like, and then you kept thinking, like, how are people getting to this point? Or like, why are people getting to this point? Because I did not ever feel that way, but I did feel extremely closeted, of course. And I was waiting to get out of high school to hope that like, I would not end up like these people. Like, of course, it's a real thing that you always have looked at. And it was something, okay, well, if you need an out, I guess this is what people do as opposed to being 28 years old, talking to her and I'm being like, Oh no, I've never been around. it. I've never had somebody in my life. I've, I've experienced that. I've seen it, but I can't say for my own self, I've contemplated or dove in. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing that too. I know yeah. that it's never easy to talk about, even with my background, like I can, I still struggle with it. And the people that I've supported from ages eight to 65, who have told me about their mental health and their suicidal like ideation or attempts before that it's never easy to talk about. And I, I'm always grateful that people embrace that vulnerability when I'm listening to them and when I'm supporting them. So I, I gotta tell you that I would say, and I know I'm like a weirder person, but sometimes talking about this type of stuff, I get so awkward and I don't even know like what to say or do in these situations. Cause it's like, you really can just listen and you hope you're doing the right thing and saying the right things. But it is something we're not accustomed to talking about. Like I could talk about like coming out stories all day or, you know, whatever it is. But when it comes to something about like suicide or someone's life, you kind of, I personally just get like, what do you say? Like, you know what I mean? Like, and so I was so excited when you reached out to me saying, Hey Jeff, like I would love to like talk with you about this because it's something I probably would have chose to avoid and not talk about. Mm. And even just like my uncle and my own family and like the things they've gone through, I was like, "Mm, not really my place to bring up like my family's baggage. But I do think it's something we should learn to talk about because that's how are you supposed to move on from things if you don't talk about things? Right, right. And I, I mean, I, I, I know too, when we talk about suicide, there's so many well, things that we could address too, like the ways how people attempt suicide, like firearms are more common, like around 50% of suicide and women tend to attempt suicide more, but men tend to have a higher completion rate of suicide. There's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a pandemic in itself that it's really not addressed. And I know that next year, the national lifeline number is going to change to 988. And I know that people are hoping that that would decrease the rates of suicide because the suicide rate has drastically increased this last decade. But the thing is, we're not really talking. We're not healing as ourselves. We avoid talking about suicide and mental health. So I'm, I'm worried that like, you know, is this just going to continue to increase? Well, I think especially with like the past year and like God knows what's about to happen with like fall and winter approaching and hopefully there's not another, but it's like, 
that mm. lonely feeling that's probably the craziest feeling I've ever felt in my whole entire life of like the unknown and being able to not plan your life was insane for me especially in like a selfish way I thought I was like you know really on the come up and then it came right at a time I was like wow like I had all these good things planned and it just threw me for a curveball and like now I'm gonna miss out on all these things and that was obviously a selfish side of me but it is crazy how you can mentally switch based on what's happening in the life whether that's politically or this pandemic or even a breakup you know like I just think there's so many things that everybody goes through different things you just got to learn to talk about it right right and I know during this pandemic too like we're quarantining and so there's even more of like an isolation in that self and kind of relying on technology I know some people are thriving on it and but I know a lot of people are having a hard time with like not feeling connected to people we're, we're not being able to really like hug each other the same way or be in the same room with the same people and stuff like that so I think a lot of us right now are still going through that even though we've been kind of seeing each other but there's the delta variant and everything going on it's just like our own mental health right now is like who knows what's going to happen and I think it's just important to check in on yourself and make sure you do self-care activities well I think a good note to end on is basically if you ever have feelings that you are feeling alone or that you feel you are not enough. I think it's really important to reach out to professional people and of course, friends and family, but seeing somebody professionally, I think is probably the best option. And also Tony, I know you have a lot of the lifelines off hand. Do you want to share some of the outlets? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so there is the National Suicide and Crisis Lifeline, um, and you can call 988. Um, it's, if you look on Google right now, like it would say the 1-800-273-8255 number, but you can call 988, and that would still be the National Lifeline. Uh, the Trevor Project is a good um, resource as well. You can call or text them. Um, I don't know their number by hand exactly, but it is on Google. The national text line is 741741. Um, there's also plenty of other resources as well that I posted on my website for LGBTQIA and for mental health links and resources. And that's TonySuperheroStory.com. Um, and I also have on the website that you can, if you feel comfortable, you can write your story and your hardships and vulnerability. And I will respond to them as well too. Tony, that's so cute. Thank you. Well, Tony, thank you for coming on and pushing me to, you know, have this conversation because like I said, I probably would have never had this conversation. So. Of course. Well, and thank you for pushing me as well too, Jeff. And thank you so much for allowing me to come and talk about these important things because they're, they're impacting everybody in some kind of way. Well, send me a link to your book so I can order one when it comes out and. Guys, you can tune in next week for another episode of Behind the Bum. And Tony, thank you so much. Thank you, Jeff.